0: Well, to, tonight, um, as we go through God's Word, uh, as, as I was preparing, I, I was praying to God uh, before Christmas, uh, what's a good topic or what's a, a good idea or what's a good passage for us to go through as a church, even as we prepare to celebrate Christmas in a few days? And the Lord led me to the topic of preparing the way for Christ Preparing the way for Christ. And I thought of this because besides the gifts, besides the seven colors and and the steak and the chicken and and all the beautiful food you're going to be having, beside the time we'll spend with family and friends, what are some of the important things that we need to consider as we go into the season of Christmas? And what I want us to think about this evening is, I want us to consider and remember that Christmas Day is about the incarnation of Jesus. So in light of this, I want us to consider the witness of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the one who came before the incarnate Christ. His main aim was to point the way or to prepare the way for the Messiah and he today will remind us through his own testimony what are these important things that we need to think of, that we need to prepare ourselves as witnesses of this incarnate Christ. So if you turn with me to John chapter 1, and we'll start our reading from verse 6. John chapter 1, and we'll read from verse 6 to verse 28. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Verse 19. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. So, the, so they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? In verse 23, he said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had, sent, they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity that you've granted to us to continue in worship and worshiping you through your word. My God, I pray that as we gather together and sit under the preaching of your word, that God, you would speak to us. That your spirit, Lord, would make clear to us the truths of God. I pray, Lord, that my sin and myself would not be a hindrance to, Lord, what you want to communicate to your people So God, I pray that they would receive your truths as words from God and I would just be a vessel used by you. God, I pray as well for those gathered here today, Lord, people from many walks of life with many different struggles, and God, I pray if there's someone in this room or watching on the stream, Lord, who has something that is, that is hindering their hearts from hearing you speak, something that is burdening their hearts, Lord, I pray that tonight you would lift it, Lord, by your Spirit, I pray. And I pray, Lord, as, as we gather together to learn about the witness of John the Baptist, that, God, you would convict us to consider our own witness, Lord, from the beginning of this sermon to the end. And as we celebrate your table later this this evening, Lord, remind us of your sacrifice. And, God, this is the good news that you have given us to be heralds of in this darkened world. So, Lord, won't you lead our time together as we go through your word, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So even as, as, as we start today, I want to remind us about the theme or the main point of the book of John. It says in chapter 20, um, the book was written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And so when we're introduced to this character of John the Baptist, it is right for us to ask the question, how does John the Baptist help us to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing in this Jesus, we, will, we may have life in his name. You see, John appears in the beginning, John the Baptist appears in the beginning of this gospel as the one true prophet who was sent by God. John the Baptist was to speak to the nation Israel after God had been silent for over f- for 400 years. John the Baptist's message was clear. Repent and believe, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, the King of kings is coming. Repent and believe, for in Him you will have life, and you will have life eternally. So John was about to introduce to the people, or John John, the disciple was about to introduce to the people the second and perfect Adam who is to redeem the chosen race, the royal priesthood, and a people called for his own possession. You see, John the Baptist appears in the beginning of all the Gospels as well, and then he disappears. Because his role was clear. He was simply the bridge between the Old Testament and the New. He was the bridge between the Old Covenant and the New. He was not the main point, but he was a herald with a great message from the king about the Messiah who is coming to save sinners of their sin. So this evening, as we prepare for Christmas in a few days, I want to encourage us, as we look at the witness of John the Baptist, to consider this question. Am I fulfilling my role as a witness of the resurrected and coming Messiah? Am I fulfilling my role as a witness of the resurrected and coming Messiah? Because church is coming. And like John, we too have been called to be heralds of his good news. So then how then should we prepare ourselves as we prepare for Christmas Day coming up? The first thing I'd like to encourage us to consider tonight is refresh your Christology. Refresh your Christology. I love John chapter 1. John chapter 1 is a chapter that is rich with truth about Jesus. From verse 1 to verse 16, you will find rich theology. John takes time to reveal to us the Logos, the living word. He who was in the beginning enjoying fellowship with God. He is the creator and sustainer of all things. He is the light who gives life to repentant mankind. He is Emmanuel, God with us, God. God in flesh his name is Jesus he is God for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace we find all this just packed in 16 verses of John chapter 1 so John chapter 1 verse 1 to 16 is a sermon series in and of itself But even as I encourage us to refresh your Christology, I want to encourage you that that go and study John chapter 1. It's a good place to start. Christ is revealed throughout Scripture, but John chapter 1 is a good place to start as you refresh your Christology, and that is the study of Christ. But now we have something interesting. Interesting. In between this rich section of theology, in between this doctrine of Christ, we are introduced to a man. This man lived in the desert. He was wearing camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. This man was eating locusts and wild honey. But it's amazing how Jesus talks about this weird or strange man. Jesus says about this man that there is no one born of a woman who is of greater significance than him. He is John the Baptist who is my forerunner. It is weird. We introduce to this Jesus who is to reveal to us the glory of God, the glory of the Father, this Jesus who is full of grace and truth. And on this side, we find this strange man who, who eats um, 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 lizards and, and he, he eats wild honey. Strange. Why do we find this man in this chapter? Well, before I give you the answer, I want us to also consider Not only did Jesus commend him, but he was also a popular man. Luke writes about this man that the crowds were coming to be baptized by him. Matthew writes that people went out to meet him. Mark would say that all the country of Judea and all of Jerusalem were coming out to meet him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. John would say in chapter 3 that... Um, John also was baptizing at Anon near Salem because water was plentiful there and people were coming and being baptized by him. John the Baptist was drawing crowds and he was not a prosperity preacher. So what is it about this man? Why then would John the Apostle whom Jesus loved introduce this man's narrative in between this rich doctrine of Christ? I believe John the Apostle was making a statement to us here. John was helping us to see that this witness was not Christ. John the Baptist was not the light, but he came to be a witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. So people were flocking to listen to John the Baptist, not because of the power of the man, but because of the power of his message. Because he was proclaiming Jesus, people were being transformed, lives were being transformed, people were repenting of their sins, people flocked to listen. What is it that this man has to say? So John fits him in John chapter 1, because his life was revolved around the message of Jesus who is coming. So church, for you to have a good and clear witness for Christ you must remember, as we'll see later in the sermon, that Christ in your heart must increase and you must decrease. John the Piper preached this, this message, uh, preached about John the Baptist, that we who are called to be witnesses for Christ will see that this not only means making much of Christ, but it also means making little of ourselves. So if you want to prepare well the way for, for the Messiah if you want to prepare well for sharing the gospel about Jesus, you must remember this important truth, that He is greater than I am. His message is important, and it's not about me. It's all about Him. John, the apostle, gives us more Christology. In verse 10, he says, He, Jesus, was in the world, and the world was made through Him, yet... The world did not know him. In verse 11 he says he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Church, there is a need for witnesses. There is a need for witnesses because the truths about Jesus are being distorted and people are being offered another gospel. But like, but like as Paul said, there is no other gospel, but they are led to believe that there is another gospel and they are consuming it to their, to their own death detriment and destruction. Mankind is so depraved that though they have the image of God, they do not recognize their creator. They reject the Messiah. They reject God. For though they have eyes to see, they do not see. Though they have ears to hear, they do not hear. Because their sinful hearts have been hardened towards God. And they consider his word foolishness for they are perishing. So then. If these people will not receive God, who then can receive this God? Who then can recognize this God as our creator? John tells us in verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the rights to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Verse 13 is very humbling. My salvation is not because of me, but it's because of Jesus. It's because of Jesus and him bringing me, drawing me to himself, him fulfilling that work on that cross, in atoning my sins and calling me home. It's all because of Jesus that I can be saved. Who can receive this Jesus? Only those who believe in him. It is not by birth. It is not by inheriting it from your parents. It is not by reading the Bible cover to cover and doing good works. These things don't make us believers. What makes us Christians is believing in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. Then do we have the right to that name, child of God. Spurgeon would say, this new birth is something that brings change to the life. The man is like a watch." which has a new mainspring, not a mere face and hands repaired, but new inward machinery with freshly adjusted works, which acts to a different time and tune. Whereas he went wrong before, he goes right, because he is right within. See, the people who were being baptized by John, saw their sinfulness in light of a holy God. They yielded the call of the gospel to repent and believe in the Messiah that is coming. And church, tonight I want to remind us that the Messiah is coming again. And as you sit here tonight, do you know this Jesus? Have you believed in this Christ If you say you have, has He transformed you from the inside flowing out? Is there clear evidence that man, you have been born again to a living hope? No longer do you live for your flesh, but now you live for Christ. Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments Sorry, are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? We used to sing that hymn, and I want to ask the question Have you been washed in the blood of the Lamb? You see, John the Baptist was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light that all may believe in this light through his witness. For we, we have these questions in, John, in Romans chapter 10. For how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him in whom they have never heard? And how will they hear without someone preaching? How will they hear if there isn't a witness? So it leads me to my second point. Refine your witness. Refine your witness. In verse 23 of chapter 1 of John, he says... He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. Repent for Jesus' is coming. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah has said. I love what John MacArthur said about John. He says to John, it doesn't matter where he lived, it didn't matter what he wore, it doesn't matter that he had a camel's hair coat, it doesn't matter that he ate locusts and wild honey, it doesn't matter the history of the man as remarkable and wonderful as it is, what matters about this man is what he said. So the Jews and Levites, because of what John said, came to him and they asked him, who are you? Who is this man who spoke so well about God and people were coming to repentance? Who are you? They wondered, are you the Messiah? Or are you claiming to be him? In Luke chapter 3, verse 15, it says, As the people were in expectation, all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he be the Christ. So John would respond in confidence, and John confesses. He says, I am not the Christ. John's message was clear. Do not look to me, but look to the one that I am pointing to. All I am is a voice crying out in the wilderness. But this was not enough. He says, so if, if you're not the Christ, then are you Elijah? Why would they ask if he's Elijah? because the last page in the last book of the of the prophets was the book of Malachi and Malachi ends with the prophecy that Elijah must first come before the Messiah Elijah must first come before the Lord so they were thinking if he is Elijah then surely the king is coming to redeem us from this harsh Roman rule He responds and he says I am not perplexed they say if he's not christ if he's not elijah then surely he must be a prophet why would they ask this because deuteronomy 18 verse 15 says the lord your god will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you from your brothers it is to him that you shall listen something interesting about these guys asking these questions these were men who knew the scriptures they, they knew what was coming, so they were asking relevant questions concerning, considering what they knew as revealed in the Old Testament scriptures. So then they say to John, John, if you're not the Christ, if you're not Elijah, if you're not a prophet, then tell us, brother, who are you? What do you say about yourself? He responds with Isaiah chapter 40, knowing that these guys know the Old Testament scriptures, he, he responds and says, I am a voice. I am a voice crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. He says, all I am is a voice. And tonight, church, I want to ask you the question, who are you? Who are you? You see, John the Baptist was a unique prophet in that God had revealed in the book of Isaiah that there was one coming, a voice crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. Jesus, in fact, would say that John the Baptist would fulfill the... John the sorry, Jesus would say that the ministry of Elijah would be fulfilled in the ministry of John the Baptist. We see this in Luke chapter 1 verse 17. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedience to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So John was a man called out of the wilderness into the darkness to prepare the way for the one true light. You see, the context of John's day was a dark one. The reign of Tiberius was marked with treachery and cruelty. What we have here is a period of moral degeneration and political chaos. Those who were looking for the for the coming Messiah were living under the domination of pagan leaders or pagan power. And because pagans were in charge, it means the religious the idols were also coming in, and people were worshiping idols. Does this sound familiar? Maybe in South Africa, we're not experiencing the treachery and cruelty of a a man named Tiberius, but we can definitely with certainty see that there is moral degeneration. There is political chaos that defines our land. I have a few examples for you. Did you know that 934 babies were delivered by girls between the ages of 10 and 14? Did you know that over 19,000 were, were delivered by those between the ages of 15 and 19? In fact, I mean, you can, go, you can correct me afterwards, but I heard that you can be as young as 12 to, to have permission without your parents to go and perform an abortion. In our country, rape, violence, abuse, and crime are considered norms. These things are normal interactions for South Africans as we are even desensitized to the fact that these things shouldn't be normal. Can you talk about a South Africa without power, without rape, without violence, without abuse, without crime, without corruption? For us, we've considered it normal. Did you know that it's not normal to have alarm systems and then still have a chain on your door and still have Bobby the God Dog protecting your house? Did you know that that shouldn't be normal? Why is it normal that, that we, ha- when, you lock the, when you're in the mall and you lock your car and you walk away, you have to stop and remember, Ah, oh, probably someone has jammed me and I have to actually check the door? We live in a morally degenerating land because sin runs rampant. Not only do we see moral degeneration, but also political chaos. Identity, politics, abuse of power, corruption are common occurrences in this age. But remember, this is the age that God has called you to. This is the age that God has called you to be a light that shines out in the darkness. He has called you to be a witness. He has called you to be an ambassador. He has called you to be a steward of the ministry of reconciliation. But I want to challenge you tonight that you will fail at this ministry and you will be stagnant. You will be ineffective at this task if you make it all about you. Death to yourself is pivotal to being an effective witness for Christ. See, John didn't care about what he wore. He didn't care where he lived. He wasn't concerned. All he was concerned about was preaching the message of repentance that all who have ears to hear may hear and believe and have life in Jesus Christ. That's not to say that clothes and food is not important. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, what was important to John was the message that he had to preach. He didn't get so consumed by the things of this world. Jesus himself would say that my food is to do the will of the one who sent me. But church, we get easily caught up in the states of current affairs. And we forget that God has said that things will be as bad as they are today. In fact, they're going to get worse. God has told us in His Word that He has called us for such a time as this to be a light to a people who are wicked, to a people who are a crooked generation. He has called us to stand in their midst as light. The gospel, church is the only effective tool to transform dead hearts to life. The gospel is the only light that we have in this darkened age. Do not take it and hide it, but stand on the hilltops and proclaim it, for the world is in need of hope. The world is in need of Jesus. We see that John knew this. His witness was powerful and effective only because he had received the word of God because he was sent by God. Again, I want to remind you about his message. His message was simple. Jesus is coming. You need to repent. Be cleansed of your sins. Believe in him. Same message today. The Messiah is coming. Jesus is coming. You need to repent, be cleansed of your sins, and believe in him. You see, John the Baptist understood his assignment. His assignment was clear. You point the way, you point people to the way and get out of the way. It's not about you, but it's all about Jesus. He says in John chapter 3, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ but I have been sent before him. The one who has... The bride in his bridegroom, sorry, the one who has the bride is the bridegroom, the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him, rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. This leads me to my last point. Renounce yourself. If you haven't noticed it's three Rs. Refresh your Christology. Refine your witness, and lastly, renounce yourself. We see in verse 26, he says, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. I love how Luke uh, gives this account. He gives us more detail. Luke says in his account of the very same words of John, he says, John responds, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And he says, His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. See, John would say, Don't get excited about me. But get excited about the one who is coming. He's saying, I am not even worthy to untie the straps of his sandals. And you might have heard this many times, but I'll remind you, this was a job for slaves. Slave masters would walk all all day, and when they would come home from walking the dusty roads of, of Jerusalem or of Israel, they would be received by their slaves, who would have a bucket of water on one side and a towel on their hands, and they would stoop down and untie their sandals and wash their feet. Remember when Jesus done that for the disciples? So this was the job. But I want to remind you what this job entailed. This job entailed stinky feet. This job entailed filthy feet with all the dust with all the dust of the streets these people would walk far even even as they rode their horses they would get off and do a lot of walking there would be the stench that would come from their sweat and their feet rubbing against the leather of their sandals and yet john says i am not even low enough to do such a job i am not low enough to be considered even a slave for the messiah He says, I am not worthy to even be considered his slave. John was a remarkable witness because he knew who he was in light of Christ. He knew that he had to make much of Christ and less of himself. So, church, who is Paul? Who is Apollos? Who is Cephas? Who is Pastor Charles? Who is Quentin? Who's Patrick? Who's Jabu? Who's Pastor Isaac? We, like Paul, apostle Paul, Apollos, and Cephas, can only plant and can only water. But church, it is only God who gives the increase. So tonight, my prayer is that may God give you a heart that understands that simple yet profound statement. Life is not all about me, but it's all about Jesus. In light of Christmas that is coming, I have, nothing ag- I have nothing against rest. I have nothing against family time and delicious meals. In fact, I'm all for it. But all I want to remind us is that day, Christmas Day, is actually not about me. It is not about my rest. It's not about my desire for familyship. These things aren't bad. But I want to remind us that they are not the reason for the season. Christmas is about remembering and celebrating the incarnation of Jesus Christ. God becoming flesh, an important piece of our salvation puzzle. So as you enjoy your rest, as you enjoy familyship or fellowship, remember Jesus. Remember it's all about Jesus. So tonight, as we consider this witness of John the Baptist, I want to again ask you the question, how are you doing in preparing the way for the bridegroom who is coming to collect his bride? This bridegroom, not only did he bring his body as a sacrifice, his blood as the atonement for our sins, but he will also bring his winnowing fork in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Church, hell is real. There are people whom we may be rubbing shoulders with. There are people who may even be in our homes that may suffer for all eternity condemnation for their sins in the unquenchable fire. Hell is a reality. The wrath of God is real. God will separate the wheat from the chaff. He will separate the goats from the sheep. He, He will redeem the righteous and condemn the wicked. So even as we consider the Lord's table tonight, this is the message that we have been entrusted with. This is the message that we are to go forth and be heralds of. That salvation is is available. Salvation is free. It is found in faith in Jesus Christ. He has given us His grace. You believe and be saved of your sins. John knew this and he knew how important this is because in in, in Luke's account, he would call his audience a brood of vipers, not because he wanted to be rude, not because he wanted to be a controversial preacher, but because he was not interested in tickling their ears, but was interested in swiftly grabbing their attention and sounding the alarm, alerting them for the condemnation that is coming. May this be true of us as well unapologetic about preaching the gospel of Christ, seeking each opportunity to stand and say, Jesus is coming. Believe, believe, believe in Jesus Christ alone for the salvation of your soul. Church, I want to encourage us, don't get caught up in building your own empire here on earth. The material things you gather here on earth that you be applauded for, those things, as you know, in South Africa can be stolen. Those things will rot. Those things can get destroyed. And in fact, when your coffin is being taken out of this room, there will be no trailer behind your hearse carrying your things to heaven. So don't get caught up building an empire for yourself here on earth. But get busy in building the kingdom of God. Get busy in the work for Christ. Use this season to proclaim Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Church, lift up your eyes. See, the fields are white unto harvest. There are carols that are playing in the malls, in the shopping centers that have the truths of Jesus. There's an opportunity there. There are people who are feeling hopeless and helpless because of COVID. There's an opportunity there. There are people who are just generally afraid of death. There's an opportunity there. There are people who are in need. There's an opportunity there because we have the answer to life's greatest problems as revealed to us in the scripture. And revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. So I want to remind us tonight like John the Baptist, you have been sent. God has sent you, He has sent you as a herald with the good news. So the king has sent you, he has given you a message, he has given you the power, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you, works in you. That is the power that we have been given as we go to share the gospel. So my question is, you have the message, you have the power, what are you doing with it? What are you waiting for? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I do pray, I pray, God, that tonight you would, through this witness of John the Baptist, Lord, remind us that, God, we have been called as heralds. John the Baptist has spent his life proclaiming Jesus, preparing the way for the Messiah. He was, he was called specifically for that, and it's easy for us to, to justify why, Lord, we will not get involved in that task, because John the Baptist was a special man separated by God. God, we know from your word that God, you have separated us for yourself. You have said that we are to be holy as you are holy. You have entrusted us with the ministry of reconciliation. You have called us to be stewards of this ministry, to be ambassadors of your good news. So God, I pray that day by day you'd remind us that God, our citizenship is not on this earth. Our citizenship is in heaven. And I pray, Lord, that as we see sin run rampant, as we see the wickedness that fills this earth, that, God, that would just be a reminder that there is darkness around me, and I am to be the light that you have called me to be. Lord, help us to stand on the hilltops with that light and proclaim Jesus to all who have ears to hear. So, Father, thank you that we have the gospel. Thank you for the gospel that transforms lives. Thank you for the gospel that saved our souls. Thank you, God, that we can sit here and say that we have been washed. We have been washed by the blood, the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb. Our garments have been made spotless because they have been washed by the blood of the Lamb. So even before we go to communion tonight, i want to give you an opportunity. The Bible says, examine your heart. As you've heard this message today, God has called you to be a witness of Jesus Christ. But you cannot be a witness of Jesus if you yourself have not believed in Jesus. So firstly tonight, I want to call on you. If you're listening to the stream or if you're here in the, in the room, if you haven't believed in Jesus, I want to encourage you tonight, right now, call on the name of Jesus and be saved. Believe in, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for the salvation of your soul. For when he died, he died for your sins. He was buried and praise God, he is raised again. And likewise, if you believe in Jesus, you will be raised to new life. But if you're sitting in this room and you're a believer, And you know this reality that you've been raised to new life. Is there evidence of that in your life? Can people see through your witness that man, this man or this woman is a witness of God? Tonight, let's let's ask God to help us. Help us to reprioritize. But also ask Him to give you the opportunity in this season to share the gospel with those whom He has given ears to hear and believe in Him. Just take this time and examine your heart and speak to God.